moms are feeling so much guilt and shame nowadays. And it doesn't matter how many talk shows or articles are written about how they should feel and how we should be supportive and nice and lower our expectations of moms. They're feeling more psychological turmoil than ever before. And it doesn't matter where you are on the political spectrum. It seems societal expectations and unrealistic ideals are always to blame. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. It's the first episode of season two, Psychobabble, with me as your host, Hannah Spear. And I think I found a perfect topic to to start off the season. My goal is to map out popular beliefs and narratives and show how these these narratives not only land you in therapy, but fail to to heal you. Modern therapists fail to heal to heal clients because they adhere to these narratives. And moms especially are spending way too much time in the clinic. They're taking psychiatric medications. And I think a part of the reason is this insistence on believing something that's untrue, that's counterintuitive. So we're going to take a look at the belief that society expects mom moms to be superheroes and that moms get burnt out because there's a societal idea of the perfect mom that is impossible to live up to and that they are subsequently shamed into submission. I want to first take a look at what guilt and shame is. It's they're very important emotions. They're very destructive. Um, they're usually culprits in depression, burnout, especially suicidal thoughts, and are almost always behind suicidal actions. And it stems from I should, I, I should be doing something that I'm that I'm not doing. And uh, evolutionary psychologists they they frequently point out that we're meant to be living in large, stable groups, societies. And we're built to try to maintain maintain relationships, and our survival uh, depends on on those relationships. And so, guilt is is uh, something that shows up after a wrongdoing, and it makes it possible to forgive, because when you in a group, when you show guilt that you feel guilt, we show remorse, then you are more likely to receive forgiveness and that will help to solve conflicts and will keep the group together and stable. And uh, yeah, there are a group of people that uh, don't feel guilt at all. And uh, we have neuroimaging showing this and um, that group is that they're psychopaths. So so guilt is a very important feeling um, and it um, it is in regard to behavior, whereas uh, shame, shame is in regard to one's self. And it makes us feel that we are inherently flawed as a person and inadequate as a person. Rather than I've done something wrong and I need to make amends, it's a social threat. It threatens your place in the group and it leads us rather to withdraw and hide. Um, and it is people risk death and, and injury to avoid shame. It's very, very powerful and also linked strongly to, to suicide. What do modern therapists, modern psychologists say? If you went to university 
any time past 1970, you will have been influenced by postmodern ideas and psychology, especially uh, vulnerable to this. Postmodernism is all about power dynamics and deconstructing hierarchies. Um, guilt and shame are bad words. They're always described as destructive and you need to chip away at them. And um, they are used as tools of, of oppression because uh, in postmodernism, we see everything as power. And if you are feeling a certain way, let's say you're feeling guilty, then that means that someone with power, another social group, usually men, they're making you feel this way. So we get back to that later, but but this is why it's called mom guilt, right? Women are uh, women. Women are a group that uh, don't have power um, and is, are seen as especially vulnerable uh, and oppressed. And this guilt is a way to oppress women. And postmodernists also believe that everything is relative. It's all uh, societal constructs. You can you can construct your own meaning, and um, and your own narrative, and that governs your emotions. There is no objective truth. There is no objective standard. Um, and the in individual is is king. Your therapists are very much guided by the subjective experience of the patient. So, you know, they, they'll treat someone grieving their child the same as someone uh, who's, uh, you know, I don't know, um, who's had a nasty word from their mother. Because, you know, subjectively that that is the same experience. If you've if you haven't uh, had anything more nasty happen to you in your life than your mother saying something, uh, judging, then of course that should be treated the same way as grieving a child. They overemphasize the, in the individual, and they, then they let themselves be guided uh, by the subjective experiences of their clients. And then it follows that if your narrative causes guilt, then the answer is change that narrative. So modern therapy will have the, the solution be within. And it, there is there exists an, an, uh, an, an expectation that you put on yourself and this expectation needs to be changed, trimmed down, erased by inwardly directed exercises, soul searching, soothing. Um, I've met many, many other therapists, but to check that, that uh, my own experiences with, with them tallies with what the mainstream guidelines are. I go, uh, I go to Psychology Today, which has uh, about 24 million hits a month and uh, psychologists with PhDs writing for them. And also Psych Central doesn't have quite as many, but uh, uh, I, th I think over 10 million hits a month. And so that's sort of a very good gauge. And here uh, I'll show you a video of um, the Cleveland Clinic guidelines and what they say about mom guilt. We have to nurse ourselves and women especially, moms even more so, are so good at nourishing their families. But we must put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. We need to keep putting deposits in our energy bank 
We can't run on empty and it's really not a luxury. This is a necessity because at some point when we are under all of this chronic stress and guilt and there's no downtime for our nervous system, it ends up creating disease states. Our blood pressure can go up. It actually can increase risk for anxiety and depression. We need to help shift our society to make self-care part of our everyday lives. Right. So self-care, breathing exercises, adjusting expectations. And oh, yeah. And if you go into uh, the I read the Cleveland Clinic Therapy Guidelines site, it even specifies that you should take an Epsom salt bath. That I mean, that's a great thing to do if you're generally very neurotic and you want to you want to calm down and, you know, self-care can be can be a very good tool but if if that's your defense for for crippling guilt then yeah you're going to be in therapy for a long time and so I've collected a few a few samples so that you can see what the common advice is and that it's not just I'm not just making the stuff up uh, this next guy is uh, uh, one called uh, Sean Holden, and he's a life coach. I used to wake up full of guilt, shame and embarrassment because of the mistakes that I'd made in the past. These mistakes weren't pleasant at all. I've cheated on ex-girlfriends, I've been sacked from jobs for gross misconduct, and I've got myself into tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt. But the good news is I managed to do the work that was required to become better and fix these problems. And I did this by taking radical responsibility and ownership for my life, and accepting and understanding where I was in life and that something had to change. I realized that I needed to forgive myself for my past mistakes so I could stop allowing my past to dictate my future. And I did. I read all there was out there on the topic of self-forgiveness, books, literature, and learned from some of the so-called experts within the self-forgiveness space. And now I'm on a mission to help share everything that I have learned with millions of people all over the world struggling with the concept of self-forgiveness. And in turn, hopefully showing these people that by changing the way they think and feel about their past mistakes, they too can finally forgive themselves. And by doing this, they can stop allowing their past to dictate their presence so that they can make way for a better future. Because self-forgiveness is what has transformed every area of my life. And I believe it can transform yours too. <laughs> you think this guy is selling therapy? Yes, I think he is. Well, um, yeah, first of all, I think this this guy should do less coaching and more charity, gross misconduct. Um, well, <laughs> this is and what is the self-forgiveness space? What 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 even is that? We're just making up words and then hoping people will feel better. He didn't mention anything about making amends or asking others for forgiveness. You can't just leap over to self-forgiveness and then uh, expect to to feel better. The next one is uh, Jeremy Abramson. He's also a very famous coach. Uh, let's hear what he has to say about mom. Mom guilt is a real thing. 
right? It's like that thought that nothing you do is going to be enough. Nothing you do is going to be right. There's always going to be something that you fuck up. I think a lot of moms are pouring from an empty cup. They're putting their man in front of them. They're putting their kids in front of them and they're putting themselves last. Yeah. But understand that the most selfless thing that you can do for your children, your partner, whoever else is in your life is like pour into yourself. Make that a priority because then you're going to be able to show up in such a more powerful way and you're not going to feel like drained. You're not going to feel that resentment because you're giving to everyone else but yourself. Exactly. That shit must be exhausting. So exhausting. These guys are modern day quacks. And then we're wondering why people are getting sicker by the day and why we have a mental health crisis. Yeah. And then we have um, Gabor Mate, great doctor. He says, your drive as a kid to keep the attachment need to the parent covered and stable is what produces the feeling of guilt when you say no or do something the parents say you shouldn't. If you don't go along with your parents' expectation, then you lose the attachment relationship. Uh, so you better not say no because you need to maintain the attachment to survive. This this is all this is all true. He says guilt isn't your enemy; it's it keeps you alive. So it's a friend, but it's a stupid friend. He says, and that. When you're an adult, if you're still feeling guilty, you should tell yourself to be happy about it because it's this friend that has helped you uh, stay alive. But now that you're an adult, you need to say no. And when you say no, it means that you've done something for yourself. Now, I think where Gabor Mate gets it wrong is that um, where he says saying no is a stupid friend what he means is that you're not you're now an adult who um who who's no longer dependent on on your parents and should be able to say no true um but you are still dependent on negotiating with people around you so you still need the shoulds you still need to be fulfilling expectations instead it's uh, it's also your parents i mean you have obligations to your parents in your uh, in their old age but you now have uh, a spouse and kids and you need to keep a job and you need to have a good marriage and and not to screw up too badly with your kids um so you can't just say, oh, well, guilt is guilt is of the past. So and now you just need to learn to say no. And then you should be happy because you've done something for yourself. And uh, w what I think a lot of uh, um, people who feel crippling guilt, they're not they're not able to move on because guilt is used to manipulate you. You know, you can have guilt feelings that people will then use. And what you need to do is stand up for yourself. So instead of therapying or treating the guilt feelings, you know, learn to recognize when or differentiate between feeling the guilt and doing some making amends for where you're at fault and recognize where people are using it to manipulate you. And in those cases, you need to stand up for yourself. You need courage. There a lot of women are failing, sadly. So when someone's stepping all over you and you're doing tasks at work without recognition uh, and without reciprocation, that's something that happened to a lot of my clients, then the problem isn't that they 
feel guilt. It's that you lack the courage to say what you need to say. We need guilt to realize that we have done something, a, a wrongdoing, or realize where we can improve and and then learn from them. And then you will see that that guilt feeling uh, is reduced. But what people are trying to do, like here, the, the video clips that I showed you, is to bypass it. So they come to therapy in hopes of getting a shortcut to feeling good about themselves. And um, and I've tried that. I really have, because that's what I was taught, taught in residency. I was, I was taught to try to lower uh, mom's expectations. And they were in therapy for a long time. And I got so frustrated. Um, and uh, that was before I started looking into what, what, you know, what are we doing wrong, right? Because it was, you know, I, I sat there and I, in the end, I was just like, I did, I did not know what to say because I couldn't keep saying the same thing over and over again. And yeah, I was taught how to, how to make them feel good, how to uh, tell them they're not a bad mom and you, they have to tell themselves that, that they are uh, adequate. And, you know, I, bas I followed those guidelines that I that I showed you before, right? They should put their oxygen mask on first. You find that everywhere, oxygen mask on first um, and self-care and the baths. And, uh, you know, when you feel when you feel guilty, then you should sit down and breathe and <laughs> And I found myself saying the same thing over and over again. And they'd feel better just shortly after. And then they'd come back the next week and just still feel terrible. Realizing we're making mistakes is how how we learn. It's also if we have freedom to make mistakes, then then we have the possibility to learn and and improve and do better. I have another video to show you that explains exactly this where therapy gives the advice that they're obviously taught i recognize this and then she's sitting in the car afterwards making a tiktok video saying how this all made sense uh, but i promise you she'll be back in therapy that next week my therapist just said something that's like literally life-changing to me she said you feeling guilt for not being there for your mom or not doing something for your mom that guilt is because you are in a parent role Parents feel guilty when they cannot protect or take care of their child. Parents feel guilty when like something goes wrong and they can't fix it, right? And I'm like, oh. And she's like, yeah, that's the role that you're in. And you are grieving not only your father that you lost, but you're grieving the fact that you do not have a parent role right now. You do not have a parent figure and you might not have had one for a very long time. And that guilt is you being stuck in a parent role and you need transition out of the parent role into an adult role where you set more boundaries, where you are like firm on those boundaries and where you let go of the guilt. And I'm like, it your mom just lost her husband. You're an adult. She's in her 20s. Clearly, this therapist has said that the guilt feeling is destructive and that is something that should be ch chipped away at guilt is wrong and then she needs to change her mindset she needs to go to adult mode and in this adult mode she sets boundaries so that's the same thing as Gabor Mate is saying uh, if you you are not a child anymore so you can say no and saying no should not lead you to feel to feel guilty so no wonder we're raising a generation of narcissists and psychopaths when kids <laughs> hear this from their parents 
that you know you have obligations that you're not fulfilling <laughs> and you should feel you sh you should feel guilty then they go to the therapist and the therapist say well your parents are wrong it is my worst fear that my kids will ever get a therapist <laughs> Uh, okay, what's next? Of course, overwhelming and crippling guilt uh, on proportion to, to the trigger isn't healthy. And in those cases, you have to ask, uh, has, has time passed? Have you done what is necessary to make amends? And if you're still bothered by something or you're feeling guilty about a situation uh, that's far in the past where you, you, you can't make you can't undo the mistakes. You can't uh, ask for forgiveness. I don't know. Uh, sometimes, you know, oftentimes I've experienced that clients feel guilty about uh, something they've done in the relationship to their parents who passed away, in which case they can't make amends anymore for obvious reasons. And um, and then they're plagued by that and, and stuck and then if you're feeling very if you're a very neurotic person if you're if you're loaded with negative emotions uh, you can take steps you can change to a more healthy lifestyle that helps if you're triggering on negative emotions uh, you can direct your attention onto others or so doing things f uh, nice things for others uh, helping others that that does wonders uh, sleeping so so self care here is a good tool. I'm not saying that self-care is, uh, is always uh, a quack, but you're then also trying to make amends and directing the attention. Because when you're feeling negative emotion, your attention is always on yourself. So you're always looking uh, into, your, into your navel. Doing something for others is a huge relief. And then if you're still hung up and, and guilt-ridden, then you have to ask yourself, why uh, is there something in my current relationships that I'm repeating that I did to my parents, right? This In this relationship with my parent, was I uh, is it, for for example, dishonesty that you weren't uh, saying something that you should have? And am I maybe repeating that mistake to my child? And that's why I'm keep I, I'm 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 still guilt ridden because I'm making a mistake now currently uh, that is showing me I'm not um, I'm not. I haven't learned properly from the mistake I did with my parent. So that I'm using that as an example because I've seen that a couple of times, that there is that you're so hyper-focused on what you did with your parent that you're not seeing um, your, 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 your brain is actually this alarm system, right? That's why you have memories to uh, so that you won't die in the future, that you won't make the same mistake in the future. And so it's sending you a signal like, eh, 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 I'm... I'm I did I'm making a mistake now but has it just has it become so taboo to call something right or wrong that feeling guilt is pathological is that what's happened yes because of postmodernism there's no objective standard there's no objective right or wrong um so then obviously feeling guilty is pathological so we're going back to what's mainstream uh, psychology and what psychologists are saying. I just want to show you a couple of things from psychology today. Their tips for breaking the mom guilt habit. Become aware of your inner voice of guilt. 
Breaking mom guilt starts with awareness. Notice how and when you're shooting yourself with a dose of shame and blame for failing to live up to some ideal of the mom you should be. Notice the thoughts that you're not enough and how your inner mom critic criticizes you for not being someone you're not. Consider your well-being. When you catch yourself mom guilting, get fierce with your mind. Tell your inner critic to stop telling you what's wrong with you. And this inner critic we hear a lot. That was a, a concept that came came in self-talk uh, in the 70s. Uh, practice self-compassion. And that is, you know, self-talk is this is a is a, a way of trying to change your own narrative because all narratives are changeable and by changing the narratives narrative because everything is relative and nothing subjective then you change how you feel and you'll be in therapy forever psych central basically says they it says the same things reflecting on your values reframing your idea of a good parent can also help uh, ease your feelings of guilt. If a mom feels very strong in what her authentic values are regarding certain parental choices, then she can make a choice with confidence and not feel so guilty. You know, fine. The last part is is um, is correct, right? If you live in accordance to what you believe, and then you know you you're less likely to feel guilty because guilt is that conflict between what you what you are doing and what you should be doing but the problem i have here is that she says if a mom feels very strong in what her authentic values are and they think that these values um are completely subjective and and that then you can just change those values willy-nilly and and then you'll feel better um and that's that's my problem right there, because you you then getting into a very dangerous territory, because then you're saying, ah, oh, my values are that uh, I need to take drugs every day, um, because uh, you know uh, all we have is right now and here in the present moment, and drugs help me live in the present moment. So then you know I should not feel guilty for doing any of that and ruining the lives around me um, that you usually do when you take drugs. And you know if you you change your values like that, then everything becomes okay as long as you um, re what did what did they say? Uh, yeah, reflect on your values. Um, yeah, that can then become very dangerous. And then they say prioritizing self-care. Again, it's always that, you know, second from the top, self-care. It's easier said than done to integrate fitness into your lifestyle. For me, it really helped when I found Pitch Fitness Center in Adlisville. It's a premium wellness gym. And it has everything, fun classes, a huge space with all the equipment you need. And it's not just your run-of-the-mill, white walls, vinyl floors, smells like a school gym. This place really gives you that hotel spa feeling all the way. It has gorgeous hardwood floors, just a really luxurious feeling. Always smells nice everywhere and it's always spotless. The best thing for me as a mom is it's kids club. My kids go there every day to play with their friends and it's even open on Sundays. 
And the kids' club is this elegant, spacious room with huge windows. And I trust the ladies working there with my life, which is important. So even when I'm feeling too lazy to work out and my kids force me to go, I go to the wellness area and pitch and just have a well-deserved mommy break. They have a steam bath, a bio sauna, and a finished sauna, and a quiet room where I can lie down. I usually fall asleep a little bit. You can serve yourself tea and cucumber water and dried fruits. I always pretend I'm in a hotel spa and I feel so pampered and my kids have the time of their lives. When you go, you give your promotional code, what should I tell my daughter, for a discount. You'll find the link in the description of this episode. This was interesting. They, uh, they're using as an example about how moms are feeling a lot of guilt. There is a study f uh, done on... Um, Moms who have obese, overweight and obese kids called I feel like less of a mom experiences of weight stigma by association among mothers of children with overweight and obesity. So moms blame themselves when their child is obese. And yeah, no, the problem isn't that children are obese. The problem is that uh, moms are met with judgment from family and from their parents healthcare providers from their pediatrician. So really, um, the this uh, study or survey, they're, they're going through what moms are saying that they're met with, how they're made to feel so guilty and blamed and stigmatized. What are these comments? Questioning their parental skills, saying, get it under control. Why is she so fat? Do something about it. This is your responsibility. We don't like the way you parent. You should be stricter. Uh, you really should watch what he's doing. Why aren't you stopping him from eating? Why why are you feeding your child so much? I mean, okay, but these people seem a bit... Uh, I mean, it's not nice. It's it's not. But is it wrong? Um, they're... Their conclusion is that they sh that uh, physicians should really be more informed about the multifactorial etiology of obesity, so that they don't shame moms. Well, okay, I I have an overweight child. I have three three children, and the middle one is overweight. The pediatrician is always very honest and talks about uh, what we feed him and what he likes and the eating habits and 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 all of that, because she's an honest operator. She is a doctor first and not an activist first and doctor second. I have to say, I've received so many of those comments and uh, yeah, it doesn't feel good. I feel guilty about uh, um, my son's weight because I, I know when I'm giving him um, uh, not the right kind of bread or when I, when I he really likes these, uh, these bretzels, right? I know when I'm giving him one too many or he shouldn't really ha be having any at all. You know, you just, he loves food. And the other two kids are slim. They don't have the same relationship to food that he has. And so I know exactly when I'm doing something something wrong. And yeah, my mother has also told me, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't be sh buying that sort of bread. And uh, that didn't feel great at the time. You know, you t your primary reaction is like, oh, who are you to tell me anything, mother? Right. But if you take a step back and you see, you know, that's she she cares. She's worried about her grandson. That was fair. 
when did become we become so neurotic and fragile that we can't deal with criticism and who 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 else's fault is it i had on the show a few weeks ago a professor who's dealing with this and he clearly said it's calories in calories out we can be waiting for the magical microbiome and say that there could be hormone differences you can say that until you're blue in the face but it's not going to change the fact that anyone who lost weight ever ate less and exercised more were pathologizing the disapproval rather than the obesity you know people always criticize moms or always moms are moms are always the ones doing something wrong and you can never do something anything right as a mom yeah we have a, we we feel this collective uh collective care if i can call it that um uh, about our ch- about your children in society this is this is innate we can't change it so yeah then obviously moms may be prone to get more criticism than others uh, because we're all worried about children it takes a village uh, now i want to talk about why we call it mom guilt what is so specific to to mom guilt and there is this there's an all encompassing interest focus on 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 women's interests and sympathy for women and this is so strong that in in several areas we're pushing children's well-being into the background um and we're saying poor women um who must take on the primary role of caregiving uh, when that wasn't their plan or poor women who feel judged for their parenting um you know not often do we hear you know poor kids who are signaled that the parents would rather spend time at a desk than than with them poor children and the the amount of moms who tell me um well you know i have to work work is my break then you know they're they're stupid if they think that their kids don't know that mom guilt it's not just normal guilt because we're not doing something that we should be doing uh but because of this most modernist idea of some groups are more oppressed than other groups and uh women are one of the more, more oppressed groups and so the guilt that moms are feeling are are in well it's more wrong because it uh belongs to them as this oppressed group so mom guilt and then i just have to say i've sat, sat with plenty of men and if we go back to the to why guilt let's call it um overwhelming and crippling guilt is so dangerous is that it really is behind a lot of suicidal ideation and actions and most of the people who commit suicide uh, they are men so it's uh it's not logical to think that men don't feel guilt dads feel a lot of guilt they don't communicate it as clearly as the moms do that's one they're often not as neurotic as the moms feel so they're not so quick to trigger on negative emotions as women are uh, so that's another part but they feel guilty about different things right they're telling me about how guilty they feel if the uh, if they can't ensure enough money for the family that the mom has to work at all they feel guilty when the bills aren't paid they uh they feel extremely guilty when they lose their jobs that's a lot of uh, that's behind a lot of um male suicides losing their job 
Um, so they just they feel guilty about other things than caregiving. Obviously, uh, men and women are different and moms and dads are different. When they list these mom guilt things, it pertains to caregiving, nurturing, um, spending time with kids and uh, taking time for themselves when they should be uh, with the kids. And here I have to get into the modern working mom because most moms nowadays, they are working. The average working mom spends uh, uh, 90 minutes with their kids every day. So when they come home, you know, they have time for dinner and then and the nighttime ritual. And there's not nearly enough time. Everyone knows this. And then obviously, when you have to subtract from those 90 minutes a day, you want to go to the gym or you want to have a bath, you want to do something for yourself, then you feel guilty because you know that that time after work, you should be giving your children. Children are pushed to the background when we pathologize that guilt. And so, of course, you should go and have your Epsom salt bath, uh, according to Cleveland Clinic. And of course, you should take time for yourself and your self-care. If you look at how, how little time we spend with the kids, well, should you? Objectively speaking, no. But if we say that everything is relative and, and there's only subjective values and standards, then you can start moving that around. Another thing that women are using to battle mom guilt is that you're doing your child a favor when you are choosing your own identity, uh, when you are focusing on yourself and when you are building something. And I, I heard those things too when I quit my job uh, to become a stay-at-home mother, that you have to keep your own identity and you have to make sure that your daughter sees you working uh, because that'll inspire her. I mean, it's just whack-a-mole. You were so focused on women's interests that women have to find the perfect balance to get just enough work, not too little, just the right amount that she feels she has an identity and is balanced. What does it do to a child's identity, to a child's mental uh, health when it doesn't feel welcome in the parent's presence? It creates severe attachment issues. They get stressed, uh, anxious, they don't sleep well when their attachment needs aren't fulfilled. And, and these are exactly the issues that are on the rise, uh, on the rise, they are extremely high for kids. Uh, the numbers we're seeing, and they and they keep increasing, and they've been increasing since the 90s. Many try to blame social media. Social media made a, a huge increase in the uh, men mental health problems of uh, of children and adolescents. But but those numbers. Are, were already way up from the 90s, from women came out into the workplace. And uh, um, we'll have that more on that later on. But it's in no means solely because of social media, right? We have uh, kids, we're raising kids with attachment issues, and we are using the identity of the mom and the mental health of the mom to excuse that. At the same time, we're using that argument to say that moms have guilt they shouldn't be feeling and we should be nicer to them and lower their expectations. And instead of being with your kid when you come home and you have 90 minutes to spend on the kid and fill their attachment needs, not you know, 
that chance. That's not going to happen in 90 minutes. But then, no, you should go and have a bath or you should go and exercise for your self-care. Let's play this video of Bryn Lang. She's a life coach. This is from uh, Faith Over Fear Business Summit. In that moment, I realized I had a couple of choices. I could quit. I go back to a regular job, which wasn't going to give me the freedom I wanted in the first place. Or I could figure out how to do it different. My kid, uh, he fell on the floor crying. And just like literally with tears streaming down his face, looked up at me and he said, Mommy, you don't even love me anymore. You never pay attention to me. You're always working. It's just in as important for your kids to have that one-on-one -on -one quality time with you. It's just as important for them to see you build your empire and believe that they can create something bigger too. It's just the focus. I mean, I've, I've sat with these, with these kids, not kids anymore, but adults who had parents who prioritized working um, and building an empire, not always an empire, but um, having a job uh, instead of being with them, they 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 won't get over that easily. And uh, they're calling their parents narcissists. Um, they uh, have huge trouble with commitment. The number of people who have trouble with their emotional regulation now nowadays is really staggering. We're seeing a lot more personality disorders, and those are all things that stem from bad modeling, uh, parents who are unavailable physically or emotionally. So what she's saying here, she's just trying to, to undermine the attachment needs of children in favor of their their needs in the moment. And uh, another thing that I heard a lot is uh, uh, that, you know, you have to be careful that you don't exist only for your children. And, uh, you know, s people who choose to become stay-at-home moms, they often hear that you can't just exist for your children. And then when the children go on, you know, they have their own lives, then what do you have, right, that you've just sent <laughs> I just, I mean, there's a huge space between uh, between having a nanny pick up your kids or only having 90 minutes a day with your kids and existing only for your for, only for your children. There, there, there are a range of things you can do. Two hours a week of doing whatever you want to do that is purely just for your self interest. That's enough. That goes a long way. I feel pity for the people who only have their job defining their identity. Another thing that we do a lot with mom, with saying mom guilt and pathologizing mom guilt is that it is used in a way to be let off the hook, right? Because guilt is a symptom of a conflict and feeling over uh, or expressing overwhelming guilt often can be used to let yourself off the hook, right? Because you're saying, well, look, I'm feeling guilty. So that still makes me a good person because I know what I'm doing wrong. So at least then I, I'm, I'm a good person. I have a video showing exactly this. This is from um, a podcast show uh, called Dirty Mother Puka. And it's with a singer, Alexandra Burke telling the horrible story of having to breastfeed her baby and being called on stage at the same time. I was about to go on stage and my firstborn was crying and they were like, curtain needs to go up. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I need to feed the baby. 
I asked them to hold the show. <clears throat> and the pressure I had and felt to get my ass on that stage. I said, you may well just let me just feed the baby because I'm crying on stage. And you couldn't open the show because I was standing there crying. And as much as everyone was like, the baby will be fine, the baby will be fine, but I'm their mum. And I have to look after this child. And I felt such guilt and I still hold that guilt. And it's not like even the baby remembers, but... So you are doing damage to... Uh, um, to an infant if it screams for you and there's an inconsistency in when it's getting food and when it's not getting food. It's also shown in wrath. This inconsistency uh, leads to depression. And she's crying. I mean, if you look at the video, it, you're not moved by the way she's crying. It's very forced. It's very sort of, I'm telling the story to be let off the hook so that other moms or other women will say, well, you know, oh, you're a good mom. Oh, it's not like the baby's going to remember At no point was it questioned whether or not she should be performing at all. I mean, of course, the people who are running the show are like, okay, you have to get on stage. It's not their fault. They're, they're running a business. You should be at home feeding your baby, right? That's uh, the source of the guilt. You know, if you have objective standards, if you have, if you have an objective, if there are If there is an objective value system, you would say, yeah, you are at fault. You should feel guilty for going on stage when you should be breastfeeding or letting the people down that you made an agreement with. You're getting money to be there, so you should be on stage. You are, you did make a mistake here, but this is being portrayed as a pathological mom guilt and uh, one that would only happen to a woman. I think a lot of this collective mom guilt that we have, this massive mom guilt problem we have, is uh, daycare guilt. Daycare guilt, it leads to micromanaging. Right? It leads to, because you have this, this huge lump of guilt for something that you know intuitively is wrong. What happens is that because we're not changing this this daycare guilt, on the contrary, we're telling each other that the kids need socialization and they need to be away from you and you're not enough as a mother. We've started micromanaging everything else. You need to do all organic this and that and uh, vegan meals. And so when people are listing all the things that you feel mom guilt for, they're really trivial things. You really notice it's because you uh, You didn't use the right uh, fabric softener and because uh, you are, um, oh God, it's difficult to come up with examples. I read so much of them lately because um, we were a little bit on your phone or um, um, uh, you're cooking non-processed foods or you're, ah, this is a good one. This is a good one. I was criticized for this uh, when I had a little, my my first, my firstborn and she was a baby and she was lying on her, her belly. Then once I had a, an, an, another woman really like stick her head into the pram. <gasps> She's letting her sleep on her belly. Are you crazy? It was kind of interesting how that was just, she felt comfortable enough, never met me in her life, just sticking her head in and, and criticizing me. And I just said, yeah, she sleeps beautifully. That's fine. And because I don't have this massive daycare guilt, I have no problem saying, okay, that's one's person opinion and I don't agree. And then 
kept on walking that was that was not a that was not something that caused me guilt uh, sometimes you know it's like okay is that really good and you know I talked to my husband about it are we really doing this correctly and then we'll look into it but it's not you know it's a it's a matter of a, a course correction if it leads to guilt it's a this signal system again are we doing it correctly check 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 because being a parent is a huge responsibility it's the most important thing you'll ever do so you are obligated to check right and do course corrections and the, another thing is the, the digging up pages um, pages of research on breastfeeding versus formula this is an incredibly common uh, cause of mom guilt that you're feeding your baby baby formula rather than breastfeeding because you innately know that breastfeeding is the way to go you know this and you can come up with reasons for formula feeding that's fine i'm the first one to say if breastfeeding causes you stress if it's not working for you then change to formula what's happening now is that they're trying to convince you that breastfeeding is and uh, that formula feeding is as good as breastfeeding that's where i have a problem right because uh, i'm basing my this this that opinion this value that breastfeed if you can uh, that is better on you know thousands of years of humans doing this uh, but postmodernists will tell you that there's no objective truth there's no objective set standards so you know formula feeding it can be just as good as breastfeeding uh, if you just have the right research on it so then moms complain i just read an article about this how you know poor moms they are being presented with research on this and research on that and how are they supposed to know what is good and what is bad well you know not everything is socially constructed and um uh, we have really good instincts and if you're feeling overwhelming guilt that you're not and that you're not able to treat it might be that you are really doing something that counterintuitive we know that what really matters is who is doing the feeding not what we're feeding you can breastfeed and pump but if that pumped milk is being given in a daycare eight hours a day or even more by someone who changes from week to week doesn't matter if it's pumped breast milk or formula feeding and that's then causing you guilt um this guilt that you can't do anything about because you're not quitting your job is then ending up with micromanaging is the meal vegan is the formula is it better than i don't know whatever and um is the baby sleeping on the back or on the belly when it's in the daycare we we hyper focus on these small things to uh, to distract us from this massive guilt uh, most moms have cuz most moms work when we're talking about attachment and we're talking about how much um okay, how what women are told what they tell each other another one of these things are is um that uh, modern women spend uh, more time with their kids now than stay at home moms in the in the 70s um that's rubbish that is not true what you're talking about here is is what they've coined as quality time so 
uh, you know, uh, supervised uh, time where they where the, where their child is sitting on your lap and you're looking looking deep into their eyes and like, that time is very valuable. It's very th that's a good thing to do. But stay at home moms they spend quantity time with their kids and. Uh, what happens is that the attachment need needs of the kids is fulfilled, and that means they can do more exploratory play. They are calmer, and they've shown this kids in daycares. They have higher uh, cortisol levels. They're stressed. They're more prone to ADHD and other behavioral disorders. Um, whereas kids who have moms who are mostly uh, they stay at home or or it's not just the mom who's, who who can fill these attachment grandmas you know kids who because we we used to grow up in multi generational homes right so it wasn't just all on the mother and that has changed now uh, moms are are um um they often uh, live away from their their extended family so that they don't have an aunt who comes and takes the kids or other people who have an interest in the attachment of the child in the relationship in the future of the child instead they have in these daycares um or preschools you know the um the um, they have a high turnover, so they have different people coming uh, to take care of the child and that upsets them so um we know that when a child is calm, when the attachment needs are settled, then they have more imaginative, uh, imaginative play. Then they feel uh, freer to explore, and that exploration is uh, what uh, causes them to learn new things. Because when children are stressed, and they're stressed because their att attachment needs aren't fulfilled, they won't learn because they are defensive. So they, they, they're only uh, able to learn new things when they feel safe. And so, you know, um, when I fold laundry and the kids are all playing in the kids room next, uh, next door, um, I mean, in the same, on the same floor, but in the kids room, then, um, I'm not looking deep into their eyes. It wouldn't, um, come into this category of quality time, right? So in the, the studies that they cite when they talk about uh, stay-at-home moms in the 70s not spending uh, an equal amount of time, like spending less time with the kids than modern moms, um, that time where I'm folding the laundry and the kids are right there, it wouldn't count because it's not, not sitting there looking deeply into their eyes. But they feel safe. Their attachment need is filled because I'm right there. They know it. And they're playing beautifully but um the the intellectual dishonesty there is is just astounding so i just wanted to mention that um when they're when they're when they're talking about uh, modern moms spending more time than stay-at-home moms with the kids this episode is also sponsored by violet nails i've been going to violet nails every month for years at this point having first tried a bunch of other places but here, the result is smooth and elegant every single time. The treatments never last longer than planned, which is really important when you have kids and places to go. And they do everything from pedicures to massages and eyebrows. It's just a really relaxing place. I promise you'll never look back. You'll find the link in the description of this episode.
how can you treat guilt? How can you, you know, if you're feeling guilt as a mom um, and not, you know, how can you use that? Um, how What can you do to reduce that feeling? And there I want to give a personal example, um, right? I, I was sick uh, for the past six weeks. Um, you know, I was playing like parents do a virus table tennis. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of birthdays coming up. My second son, uh, no, my first son, my second born, uh, he has a birthday this Friday, actually. And uh, because I've been so sick, I haven't been able to arrange um, a bir the birthday party for him that I that I that I usually do for the kids. And it's important to me that they that that they get equal treatment. So then, obviously, I've. Uh, I felt guilt that I hadn't been able to organize this party. So I'm comparing myself to the standard I've set for myself. And I'm also comparing myself then to uh, the other moms, my friends, uh, with the women around me who have been able to uh, throw proper birthday parties for their kids in that same period where they also were sick, right? Because everyone's sick now. Uh, why shouldn't I have been able to arrange uh, a great birthday party for him? Okay, so that's the uh, that's that's what happened, and uh, I still feel a bit guilty about that, but less now because um, I did a proper assessment of the comparison, the comparison I did uh, with the standard I set for myself and with the people around. I made amends. I talked to my husband. He helped me make a proper assessment of the facts. He said, for example, uh, one of the differences between uh, me and the moms I was comparing myself with was, for example, that uh, they have help that I don't. Okay, so then automatically some moms fell away that I were was comparing myself to because I hadn't, I didn't come up with that, right? I didn't, in my comparison, we were all the same. And so I felt guilty because they were sick and they were able to throw a kick-ass birthday party and I wasn't. And so have someone help you see the whole picture, see things that you, you know, and a good therapist can also do that if you don't have someone to, uh, that can help you with it. And um, so that's very helpful. Uh, but when, you know, psychology today says trust the process, that's less helpful. That's psychobabble. Another element was that I could make amends. I felt proper relief when my husband said, you know what, um, then you know, arrange a big party next month in January. No one's going to care. He's not going to care that it didn't happen exactly on his birthday. And that really made me feel better that, you know, I still had time. I could still get this done. You know, I'm healthy now. Uh, I can get the invitations out in time. I can um, I can organize in January. Also, everyone's back from vacation. So he'd have more friends coming to the birthday than he would have had the 22nd of December. And this knowledge, okay, I can do better. This wasn't optimal. I would have liked to throw a huge party on his birthday or close to his birthday, like what I did for his siblings. But, you know, what I'm worried about is that if I didn't deal with this, if I didn't try to do it better, that'll cause obstacles later on. He would have, as a teenager, looked at the 
all of the pictures we take. And he would have seen, ah, why did Eliana get a unicorn birthday party with 30 of her friends and a trampoline? And I got like you and dad and a cupcake with a candle. I mean, he's not going to care about the timestamp saying January and not December uh, 2023. But he's going to care about not being treated equally. It's a trivial example. You might say, oh, that's, you know, that's nothing. That's just mom guilt. You shouldn't feel guilty. But I I should because I do take it seriously that the kids are treated equally. And uh, feeling that guilt, being able to make amends is a good thing. It helps me be a better mom. If you if you go and read the psycho uh, psychology today and Psych Central, they both say uh, don't do comparisons. Be careful with comparisons. Well, you know, I say that it's okay to compare yourself with others because there is a set, there is an objective standard, and they help you gauge that. Just make sure that that comparison is is correct and. Um, you know, we're social beings evolved to live in large, stable groups. And so those around us help us guide appropriate behavior and guilt helps us atone and get forgiveness. And like this this life coach I showed you earlier, who just said, you know, jump right into the self-forgiving space, that's that's not going to help you treat the guilt if if you don't take any action. And if I had told myself then that uh, you simply have to reassess your values, the problem is uh, expecting yourself uh, to throw a party and send gifts. That's also something that happened, right? I didn't uh, manage to send gifts to to my family in Norway, which I usually do at this time. And then, you know, that piled up and I was embarrassed and, you know, that can cause problems later on. I, I addressed that, that I didn't do it. I, I said I was sorry. I managed to get them gifts uh, in another way. And, you know, if I just avoided doing that and said, the problem is I have to recess my values, uh, then I would have risked larger consequences later on that would have made it very difficult to correct anything. And um, no amount of breathing or or mindfulness or exercising would have helped relieve that that guilt. Once you try to treat the should, then you're in trouble. There is innate knowledge and uh, instincts that know better, and it knows better than your liberal therapist. And that concludes the first episode of Psychobabble. I really hope that you enjoyed the content. I hope you have a very nice holiday, and, um, and I'll see you again soon. Have a nice time.